If you would, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. I'll read and then we'll pray and we'll get into the Word of God. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Lord, thank you that we can trust in you for all these things, God. Thank you that you take the burdens of our life upon yourself, that you took all our burdens when we came to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are saved because you took all the sin of the entire world upon yourself on the cross at Calvary, God, and that we now are free to love and serve other people We are free from the selfishness and hatred and all the things that dwelt in our hearts before we knew you. And now, Jesus, we can live a life set apart for you in the freedom that you've given us for your glory. So, Lord, we're just thankful to be here today, God. I'm so grateful to be here and this opportunity that I have to preach your word, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that every word that comes out of my mouth would be anointed by you that you would actually speak through me, Lord, and that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you, God. We need you so desperately, Lord. Would you please have your way in our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our spirits today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mother Teresa was a lifelong missionary who gave herself over to serving the poor. Many of you have heard her name or are familiar with her mission. She's been revered by many for her sacrificial love to the poor and impoverished in Calcutta, India. She's since passed away, but in her own words, if she would describe her mission, she said, she explained that her call was to the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the lepers, all those people who feel unwanted, unloved, and uncared for throughout society. People that have become a burden to society and are shunned by everyone. Mother Teresa also famously once said, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. This quote speaks to the idea that we as Christians are called to bear 
one another's burdens, even when they feel overwhelming or difficult. I know what you're thinking right now. I'm not Mother Teresa. I definitely aren't Mother Teresa. And I know that you guys aren't. And so with that, knowing that we're not that, but even though we aren't Mother Teresa, we can be like her. This seems ridiculous to some people because they look, you know, a lot of people look at people that do amazing things in their lives for God and they think, I could never do that. But that's not the truth. The truth is, is that we all have the capacity to serve in such a way. The problem, though, is that we are really uncomfortable, not only with our own burdens, but we can't bear of thinking about the burdens of other people. If we admire this kind of sacrificial love that Mother Teresa had towards others, why is it that we ourselves have such struggles when it comes to bearing the burdens of others? Why do we sometimes shudder when we hear of tragedy and trials sin sin brings into the lives of our friends and close family? How are we to walk with those who have fallen into the snare of sin? These questions can overwhelm us since the complexity of sin and its effects on our lives is so evident around us. Why are we responsible towards others? Who are we responsible for? Let's face it. The burdens of others are difficult to bear. And those burdens often take us away from our plans and our circumstances Isn't it true we sometimes feel burdened and bummed out by others' burdens? You know, you see someone you know, like, you know that they are having a hard time. You know that they're struggling in their sin. And you're kind of like, oh, am I going to have to talk to them? No, I'm being real here. Like, we do that. Because sometimes the sin that they're carrying scares us. We're afraid that that same sin that they're burdened by, we may be burdened by. So we're kind of repelled by that. Why do we tend to avoid the pain of others? It's awkward and it can be fearful to get drug into the struggles of our brothers and sisters' experiences. But this is what Jesus has called us to do. I was in Starbucks a couple weeks ago and I was talking to a friend of mine and I had my earbuds in. Don't do that, okay? I'm just telling you, don't do that. It's not a good idea. And I was kind of sharing with him some, like, hard stuff that I was going through. And this guy's sitting next to me, and um, he walks over, and he goes, hey, hey. Oh, you have your earbuds on. He's like, you you know wearing earbuds is a bad idea when you're in public. I said, yeah, probably. He's like, well, I just want to tell you, man, all the stuff you're talking around, it's just bumming me out. Like, why do you got to be talking about, like, look at, we're we're in Carpinteria. It's beautiful. Like, why do you got to talk about bumming stuff? Like, I just don't get it. So why don't you just, you know, why don't you leave? Because like, I'm, I'm real, like, I'm sorry, man, but like, this is just not cool. You, You should just think about this. Don't be around people telling them your problems. I said, A, I wasn't telling you my problems. B, please forgive me for, you know, interjecting my thoughts into your life. But C, This is who we are. This is what we do. We do the same thing, but we wouldn't go and tell someone that. We would just be sitting there thinking, I wish this guy would shut up 
Like, I'm really bummed right now. We don't want to hear about other people's problems, and we just think, like, please just leave me alone, just like the guy that came up to me. But this is the world's perspective, is it not? But it's also often ours. It seems to be so difficult for us to bear people's burdens, to bear things that, you know, that are just beyond us, right? A lot of things are beyond us. Who are we to turn to for help? And who then is called to bear the burdens of others if we aren't? Well, Paul tells us, you who are spiritual should bear the burden of others. Well, who are these people? Who are these spiritual people? You know, people come up to you and they're like, uh, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm very spiritual. I'm always like, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, But what does it mean to be spiritual? Well, in this context, Paul is referring to spiritual as being filled by the Spirit of God. Those of us that are believers, when we come to believe upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us. We now have God living inside of us. Can I get amen? That's incredible, right? And this refers to anyone who calls themselves a believer. As all who believe upon Jesus are filled by the Spirit of God. So those who are spiritual are identical with those Christians who walk in the Spirit, are led by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. Since Paul makes this statement in regards to our position as Spirit-filled believers, he assumes that we as believers have a responsibility to the family of Christ. Some of you are like, really? (laughs) We do. And this responsibility isn't something that's a heavy burden for us to bear. Who's the one who bears the burdens? Is it not Jesus? So what do we have to fear when we come before our family members or when someone is struggling that we know and they share with us a burden that has caused them to sin, has caused them to falter? So if we are those called spiritual, then we are responsible to lead by the spirit and not by the flesh. I think it's the flesh that scares us, right? When we think about, oh, wait, uh, you know, these people are, they have these burdens, they're sinning, they're in this trap. Like, can I help them? I want to help them. But in our minds, we're like, I can't do that. Of course you can't do that. That's the point. So the point is, is that we, as believers, will rely on the Spirit to lead us to walk with these people through their burdens, but not for us to think we're going to solve their problems or change them or do anything like that. We, ultimately, our goal is, is that these people would respond and that the Spirit would move in us and that God would change their lives. But that burden is not for us to carry. Even though Paul tells us to carry the burdens What he means is, is to be there for the people who are in the burdens. Jesus told us, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is the help we need in times when we have no answers for those burdened by sin. We were never intended to carry the burden of others alone. How then can we who are spiritual help those 
caught in sin. Many of us desire to help those who are in need. We may want to help those who have been caught in sin, but how can we do such a task? Some of you might be thinking, I have enough problems of my own. How can I be expected to bear anyone else's burdens? Well, many of us are unsure how to overcome sin in our own lives and let alone come to the assistance of others. So that in and of ourselves sometimes burdens us because we think to ourselves, well, wait a minute, I am, I'm kind of like going through some stuff and you're asking me to come alongside those that are carrying burdens? I'm not, but Jesus is. And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how can we do such a task? There are seasons when we need others to help us in bearing our own burdens and seasons when we are to bear the burdens of others. God's grace works together with those in need and those who come alongside others. What I mean by that is we mutually lift each other up in times of need and in times of success, in times of sorrow, in times of rejoicing. All of these things, God works in us to encourage us, to lead us, to guide us into his presence, knowing that he's the one that can overcome these things. So when we're faced by the burden of others, we're to restore them in a spirit of kindness and gentleness. What does this look like? Well, in order to restore others with a spirit of gentleness and mercy to others, we must first remember the mercy shown us. We're told in scripture, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Some of you might be thinking, wait a minute. Those living under the burden of sin are the ones who decide to sin. It's their fault. They're the ones that blew it. Like, why are you putting this on me? Some of you may even think that they deserve the consequences before them. And let's face it, when we sin, we do have consequences, right? But you might be thinking, if they decide to sin, why should I show mercy and grace? Remember the first time you experienced God's grace? When he drew you so close to him in gentleness and compassion and love and care? when his love cast away every burden of sin in an instant. Why is it we love grace when we are on the receiving end, but other times we place judgment on others we would never want for ourselves? Could it be that we've lost touch with the person we once were when we were in such desperate need of Jesus's gentleness and grace? Many of us like the way grace looks on us better than it does on the lives of others. I'll say that again. Many of us like the way grace looks on us better than it does on the lives of others. It's easy to be judgmental for us when other people are in sin, forgetting that if it was us, we would desire grace and forgiveness, and compassion, and gentleness, and care. We can only ask ourselves which response we would want if we were the one caught in the sin. We would all desire grace. We would all want restoration. Yet, 
sometimes when we see others caught in sin, we want justice. Many of us live in this tension. It is a tension, right? Because sin affects everybody. Sometimes sin affects you directly to the degree that justice is necessary. But the thing that we can trust is, is that God says that justice is his and it's not ours. You know, Billy Graham had a famous um, line that he used to say that um, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's, it's God's job to judge, but it's my job to love. I think that's such a great line. So we believe in the grace of God, but we often forget the sin that once bounded us. Over time, we actually can tend to forget where we ourselves came from. Instead of trusting God for justice and grace, we now desire justice for others and grace for ourselves. We must beware lest we become the arrogant judges who place the burden of justice on others. If you're working from a heart of spiritual pride, Paul says, keep watch. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. So let's think about a scenario. You have a friend that fell into sin. You heard about it. Someone tells you you have it on your heart to go talk to them, to be there for them. You're going through this with them. Have Just really think about the situation that you're in because we have to take care lest we can also be tempted. We're not beyond sin. A lot of us are walking around and like today you might feel really strong. Like Jesus is with me. My life is rad. Like God is doing all these things. That's grace. That doesn't mean that we have it all together, that we are beyond temptation. So I think of it in terms of even Jesus as a rabbi. Jesus loved talking to sinners. He loved ministering to people that were in sin. He loved talking to prostitutes. He talked to tax collectors. He talked to the lowest people in society. But you never saw Jesus going to a brothel. That just wasn't going to happen. He was a rabbi. That wasn't going to happen. We are in the same place in that we don't want to walk into the place of temptation, but we want to be there for the person that has gone through that sin. So what makes us think that we're above any sin ourselves or what motivates us to superior, uh, spiritual superiority? You know, even the apostles themselves were attacked and challenged by spiritual pride. You know, that Paul had to confront Peter's hypocrisy. I know Adam shared this with you last week. And he says, you know, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Peter himself was caught up in spiritual pride. You know, he was a disciple of Christ, right? And sometimes, you know, just like the Mother Teresa analogy, we look at the disciples and we're like, well, they didn't, you know, how could I be like one of them? Well, I love the fact that the gospel shows us that we are not much different than they were, that we have the same temptations, we have the same obstacles, there's the same things that are before us, 
you know, and the good thing is, though, we don't have to walk in them. We can, we can walk away from them, and we can walk towards Christ in all these things. Those of us who live in pride can be so helpless in restoring one another. That's the thing about pride, you guys. When you're prideful, it's really hard to have the humility to stand with people. It's really hard to stand by someone when you think that you're better than them because you're always going to come back to the place of thinking, why don't they have their stuff together? I follow Jesus. My life's great. They follow Jesus. They're a wreck. Like, what's the deal? Spiritual pride. Our challenge comes when we think others who are weak need us when the truth is, We have a great need for God and each other. The truth is we both need the spirit of God in our lives to overcome such sin. The great deception comes when we think we are something when we are nothing. This has always been one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He who thinks he is something when he is nothing deceives himself. It's a deception. We're not anything, but we're everything. We're everything in Christ, and we're nothing in and of ourselves. The great beauty of Christianity is the fact that we have everything in Christ and nothing apart from him. We are nothing in and of ourselves. Well, right now you might be thinking to yourself, but wait, I'm a great fireman, or I'm a great accountant, or I'm a great mother, and I'm a great friend. I'm all these things. Well, Here are a few things that run through our minds when we compare ourselves to others. You might say, but God has blessed me with this talent. Like, I have this amazing talent. I'm wealthy, and they're poor. Doesn't that make me better? I'm strong, and they're weak. The truth is that you are none of these things unless they've been given to you by God. But I worked hard to get these things. I work really hard. Like, I did all these things. God gave you the ability to work hard. And many others work hard, and maybe they aren't successful. Life is funny like that. And we are called to live in this life together so that we can glorify God through these things. Not self, but God. But wait a minute, some of these people are really messed up and I'm not. God has made you whole by his grace. Remember who you are. For at one time you were in darkness, the Bible tells us, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Some of you may have tried to bear the burdens of others with the anticipation of complete restoration but you've struggled to see any change in that person's life. I know some of you have been there before. You've worked with someone for a long period of time, maybe even years. You've stood by their side. You prayed for them. And it just seems like they're just caught in this cycle of sin. Stay with them. My plea to you, stay with them. Go the course. We're not called to restore anyone ourselves. It's exclusively the power of Jesus working in 
and through us that allows us to even stand by the side of a brother or sister burdened by sin. We can only bear the burdens of one another by the power of Christ living in us. It's only by his strength that we can be strong and loving as we help others to bear their burdens. If this is true, how do we bear the burden of others? We can't just grit our teeth and bear these burdens. What are we to do? If we're to bear one another's burdens, we must first test our own work. Paul tells them to test their own work. But why does he tell them to do that? What do you mean by testing your own work? How can we do this? If we're to test our own work, we can boast in what God has done through us in spite of ourselves. Anything we have or have been given comes from God and him alone. As we're told by Paul in 1 Corinthians, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Question I have for us is, why do we do things to each other like this if we're a family? Why do we drop balls? Why do we fail to stand by each other? Why do we fail to bear one another's burdens if we're a family? Isn't it true that if we walk away from our family, they're still our family? Unfortunately for some of us, we're like, yeah, (laughs) remember Christmas? or Thanksgiving, or whatever times you get together, you always have these things in your mind like, oh, it's going to be so great. Get together with the family, and you get together, and you're like, oh, they're still the same. It's like, yeah, so are you. You know, it's funny. But we're still family. Many of you today have family members that are caught up in sin. Some profess to know Jesus. Some don't. Some are far from his grace. Hold on. Don't give up on them. Trust God with their lives as your family once did with yours. You know, my mom, God bless her, prayed for me for probably 15 years before I got saved. And I was a mess. Like, I was all over the place. I'm sure her heart was broken. And she just kept praying and loving me and standing by me and being there for me. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Don't give up. Hold on. Remember Job's friends. Wouldn't it have been cool if Job's friends just hung out? Like, we're, just, we're here for you, Job. But they got frustrated and they tried to figure out what was going on. They tried to figure out like, oh, maybe he did this. Maybe he did that. You know? In the same way, God calls us to stand by people who are going through these burdens. Just be there for them. Just hold on. We've been so blessed by Jesus. Jesus has given us individual responsibility with community support. I'll say that again. Jesus has given us individual responsibility with community support. So the community is called to support others with all its power to help each other remain in the boundaries of God's calling of freedom. 
Now, this passage in Galatians, if we look back to the earlier parts of the, the book, Paul is trying to tell the Galatian people that they are free from the bondages of sin. They're free from comparison. They're free from being circumcised or not being circumcised. They're free from being Gentile or Jew. They're free from all these things. Yet, we all have an individual responsibility to live our lives for Jesus, right? Each one of us, there's nothing. I think about this myself with my kids. When, when I pass away, I'm responsible to stand before Jesus. Either that's the most frightening thing in the world or the most glorious thing in the world. Because when we stand before him, those of us that have given our lives to him, by his blood, our wounds have been healed. He's washed away our sins, and we can boldly enter into the Holy of Holies. We can stand before him knowing that we are clean, that we are set apart, that we are sanctified and justified by his blood. Not by anything we can do, but by his blood. So now we have this freedom, and we have to bear our own loads, it says in this passage. So does this mean that we're responsible for any part of our salvation? No. But we will be responsible for laying our own sins before the feet of Jesus. This is the one of the main reasons that we should not judge because we are going to be judged in that way. The Bible tells us that um, we're going to be judged by the, the way that we judge others. So let me tell you this. There's going to be no rewards for us doing better than another believer. Jesus isn't going to go, oh, Nick, man, you were so much better than that guy. That guy over there, uh, he was a little better than you. But like, it's that, the, the playing field is leveled. It's completely leveled because it's all about what Jesus did. It's not going to be about what we did. The only thing we're going to be judged by are the things that we did for Jesus. And guess what? We're going to glorify him for it because we can't even do it ourselves. But we're living in this freedom. We're living in this freedom. You know, Matthew tells us, judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And the measure you use will be measured to you. So we're called to humility towards one another. Andrew Murray says, the great test of whether the holiness we profess to seek or to attain is truth and life. Will it be whether it produces an increasing humility in us? In man, humility is the one thing needed to allow God's holiness to dwell in him and shine through him. The chief mark of counterfeit holiness is lack of humility. The holiest will be the humblest. Spiritual pride will never lead us to the heart of God. And true restoration of the saints requires a deep sense of, of humility and a willingness to let go of one's own pride and self-righteousness. With this in mind, as we live our life set apart by the power of the Holy Spirit, why should we encourage each other? Paul now tells us to encourage each other or encourage those who teach the word of God with the encouragement that we've been given. Those who are taught the word of God are to encourage those who have placed burdens the burdens of others upon themselves for the sake of the gospel, and the very ones who are encouraged by the study of the word and discipleship 
are called to share the truths they have learned with those that are teaching them. This is mutual encouragement. It's not just for the people that are teaching. This is for all of us, for you and I. But in this particular place, it's interesting that Paul talks about those that teach us. So, you know, Jesus says that the worker is worthy of his, of his wages, right? And we don't live exclusively through our finances, but we live through encouragement. You know, what does it cost for you to encourage one another? What does it cost for you to lift up those that are working alongside you, that are studying with you, that are preaching the word of God? This doesn't mean that we have to come up to the pastor after every service and go, oh, you're so great. But you can if you want to. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Rather, we're to share all good things that God has spoken to us through the word of God taught us as an encouragement that God is speaking through his servant as he, he preaches the word. We can encourage each other because of our freedom in Christ. Our freedom now grants us personal accountability, and we're told that what we reap, we will sow. So if we, if we reap to the flesh, we sow corruption. If we reap to the spirit, we sow eternal life. And we've been given this freedom not for ourselves. We've been given this freedom, again, not for ourselves, but to serve others. When we're separated from Jesus, many of us lived completely for ourselves. I mean, I know I did. It was all about me, everything, because that's all that I could see was my life. But when we came into the family of believers in Jesus, we were changed. We're told that for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So once we were chained by the desires of our flesh, completely and desperately held by the chains in our flesh. But now we've been set free to serve Christ and others as we never could before. Freed from the bondage of self, we can now bless those who persecute us. We can stand with those that are weaker than us. We can bear one another's burdens. We can now encourage one another to love and good works. We do this through our mutual responsibility to each other. We are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are now free from self. We are free to serve. You know, some of us, and and you guys can attest to this, some of us are closer to our church family than we are to our own blood family. Jesus calls us to a new life where we can serve each other and love each other in all things. Now, I know some of you are thinking right now, man, Nick, you just exhausted me. Like all these things you're talking about. And some of you might be thinking, how can I do all this? Like, how am I to love each other, bear each other's burdens? Even though I'm free in Christ, how do I serve, each, serve others the way that I would want to be served? How do I do all these things? Um, you're asking me to give up my entire life? No, I'm not, but Jesus is. 
You know, Jesus is our strength. He grants us the power to live this life. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't let the burdens of others become your burdens. Give them to Jesus. The Bible tells us, let us do good to everyone, but especially those in the faith. Jesus said, they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. Jesus gives us this love for others through his love. When we realize we have no ability to live like this apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, when we are transformed by the love of God, when we finally come to terms with the fact that we have no ability in and of ourselves to carry others' burdens, we can surrender all this to Jesus and thrive through his infinite power and grace. We can do all this because Jesus came to bear our burdens on the cross at Calvary. He came as the only sinless savior to the world to restore us to community and form us to him and then to each other. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Jesus is the only one so burdened that he was willing to give his own life so we could live a life for him. Jesus actually sweat blood as he was uh, considering the cross. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who, for, the, for who with the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand at the throne of God. He didn't leave us to figure it all out. He didn't leave, ask us to take burdens for ourselves, but to cast them at his feet and for him to carry the load we couldn't carry. He never intended us to fix others, but to walk alongside them. Jesus is the only one that can restore anyone, but he loves to use our lives in his work of restoration. It's miraculous that he can work with us at all, but he loves to work with you and I. He loves to see it when you come during the the food bank and give food to people who have need of food when you stand by a brother or sister after service and pray for them and care for them and are attentive to them and are concentrated upon the fact that they have that need at that time. So now we can bear others' burdens because Jesus bore our burdens. Now we can love others because Jesus first loved us. Jesus himself said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our burdens have now become his burdens, and all we have need of is in Jesus. The power of Jesus living inside of us, the rest for our souls. We can now carry responsibility towards others by his strength, not our own. We can now encourage others by his encouragement that we've been given by Christ. We can now share all of our burdens with Jesus, who's given us such strength in and through him and his presence in our lives. You know, we hold this treasure, the Bible says, in jars of clay. Our lives carrying this treasure of Christ. Let us not walk through life as paupers when we've been given such riches. 
Jesus has given us everything we have need of for life and godliness. We carry these riches in our hearts. Sometimes we look at other people and we think, what do I have to offer? Everything. You have everything in Christ Jesus. Jesus has given us who believe the keys to his kingdom, eternal through the ages. He alone has the power to take our burdens and the burdens of the world. Give them to him right now. Let Jesus take your heavy load. Ask Jesus to equip you to bear the burden of others for their good and for God's glory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a burden bearer, that you are the one who took everything upon yourself. Lead us and guide us today, God. Lead us to the cross, Lord. Lead us by your glory, by your goodness, by your grace. Lead us to you right now, God. Take our hearts, Lord, in your hand. Show us your mercy that we can show mercy to others. Stand alongside us that we can stand alongside others. Use us for your kingdom, God. We just ask, Lord, please use us for your kingdom that you would be glorified and others would be edified. In Jesus' name, amen.